Hello everyone and welcome back to the AirPod. Weeks gone by, so much royal news to talk about. And we have a full house this week. The Woo-hoo! Sussexes are back in town. As of the Cambridges, they've just returned from their tour as we record this. There is a lot to talk about and I'm not alone this week. <laughs> I'm already cheering for all the royals that are back in town. When was the last time it was this packed, Omid? Uh, it's it's been a while, yeah. you know. It's been a while, and I think we sort of have like representation from the top mm-hmm. to the. I don't want to say bottom, a f- you know, a <laughs> few a top. few down the rank. From top to top, yeah. Uh, Maggie Rooley, thanks <laughs> hey, for joining guys. me. <laughs> it's always good to be back. Uh, I look. The weather's getting better in London. The last time we did this, we were freezing cold. I think that today, what my, my my big announcement was that we covered this on Good Morning America this morning. You know, um, Harry and Meghan back in town, and it was things we haven't seen in the UK for weeks. Meghan Markle and Sunshine. Yeah. Both of them are back. <laughs> it happened. Although, last night we were recording this on the Friday, Thursday mm-hmm. evening, the Endeavour Awards. Oh, that was not sunny. Honouring military veterans mm-hmm. for uh, achievements in uh, exploration and sports. Uh, terrible rain. It was, just to like set the scene for people, it was, the skies had opened up. It was a constant downpour for hours. Everybody was soaking wet. Yet, you've seen the photos. The photos of them in the rainstorm are I mean, spectacular. Yeah. Showstopper. I think I heard someone describe it as instantly iconic. I mean, it is just something that it made the front page of every paper here in the UK. The rain just seemed to fall around them beautifully and they were lit and it was as if it had welcomed them home with this this perfect framing for that photo. Absolutely. I mean, an umbrella always frames mm. a photo anyway and I think this was a couple arriving back in the UK for their first big engagement as a duo in a final sort of run of engagements as working royals mm. and i think to be under that umbrella it was symbolic of sort of oh, right. standing side together. by side taking it yeah. on together i think the smiles were big megan looked great mm-hmm. and you know there were 30 40 cameras outside yeah. mansion house in london that was the most i've seen at a royal engagement in a while wow. and that photo that you're talking about taken oh, by sammy hussein at getty images mm-hmm. That was one that will stand the test of time. We will that will represent Harry and Meghan in their new chapter. I yeah. think perfectly. You mentioned those smiles. You see the smiles in the photo, but they were big and they were consistent all night long. I think that's what struck me as well. You know, there had kind of been this. Um, I don't want to put too many wor- uh, words out there, but it was stressful, the homecoming. You know, there was a lot of talk yeah. about it, and it could have been even more stressful. It could have been, you know, maybe some heartbreak coming back home after sort of announcing this uh, split from being the royal family and as working royals. Uh, but there was no stress last night. There was no sadness. I mean, this was clearly a couple that's that's happy. They were smiling. They were confident. Uh, they were there, and they were proud, and they weren't hiding anything. And you could see that reflected in the way that they carried themselves and the smile. Absolutely. And I think what was great about last night was, although outside of the venue, it was all about Harry and Meghan. All eyes were on them, whether it was the fans that were screaming their names. I know there was talk (laughs) about this one boo, whatever. We'll we'll ignore that. Um, Inside, they made sure that the attention Mm. remained very much on the servicemen and women who were being honoured that evening. Of course, like military is so important to Harry. The Endeavour Fund was something that he helped find Mm. when... uh, through the Royal Foundation some years ago. Uh, they announced in the evening that it's going to build a relationship with the Invictus Games. So that's sort of, I guess, really them showing the world what they're bringing forward with them. You know, we talk about the patronages and what they'll be sort of having with them in this new chapter. Endeavour Fund, Invictus Games, the work with the military veterans, that continues. 
I think that for Harry, it would have been, you know, we heard in his speech uh, just how important it was and how when you serve your queen and country, you never really stop serving. And I think that maybe what he meant by that had sort of two meanings, because, of course, he is talking mm-hmm. about what, uh, serving in the armed forces. But at the same time, he's someone that's also stepping down from the ranks as a senior member of the royal family after serving Queen and country for so long. So it would have been a, a poignant evening for them, for sure. And something else he said, too, we mentioned, you know, I've always appreciated all of you having my back, and I promise I'll keep having your back. And it definitely felt like a moment, you're right, where the words that were being said were more than just the words that were being said. And what he was talking about seemed like so much more. You know, not only was he saying to the military community that he would keep having their back, you know, despite the fact that he might not be a working royal, these are... Uh, institutions that are important to him, these are charities that are important to him, he's going to keep having their backs. But it almost, and you, know, you can correct me if I'm leaping too much here, Emma, but it almost felt as if he was talking to the people of the UK, uh, of London, yeah. of saying, you know, don't worry, like, I know you guys have had my back, I'll still have your backs, even if I'm not living here anymore. Absolutely. The event was being live streamed mm-hmm. across the world. And this speech that you're talking about was, you know, Harry put a lot of thought into it. He has a hand in writing these things. It comes from the heart. Let's take a little listen to it. For some, the military community represents a brotherhood or sisterhood that no other organization can provide. And for others, it's a way of life which you never want to leave. For a lot of us, it's both. Being able to serve queen and country is something that we're all rightly proud of, and it never leaves us. Once served, always serving. But leaving the military and hanging up your uniform is, we know, an incredibly hard thing to do. But being forced to hang it up due to injury, beyond your control, can be even more difficult to accept. It can take time and effort to recognize the fact that it is something that happened to you, rather than something that's wrong with you. So please don't ever forget that. Of course, we heard from Megan as well. Hers was great. (laughs) Hers was a little more off the cuff. I think Megan has proven time and time again that public speaking is Mm -hmm. her thing. She doesn't need a a script. She doesn't even need to write it. I mean, it just just comes out so Mm -hmm. naturally. I thought it was quite interesting to hear talking about the judging process for the Endeavour Awards. Because, of course, that's something that in the past they've done from Kensington Palace. Mm This year they did it from Canada and she let it be known. <laughs> well, this is another example I thought too of Megan just showing up and being totally Megan. She didn't let any of the noise kind of enter what she was doing. I mean, and she clearly could have, right? This was a really high profile visit. All eyes, we, all eyes brought her. We've been talking about, you know, when are we going to see Megan again? When is she going to come back? What's it going to be like when she's finally back in the UK and the drama? And to have her show up and just be herself. She showed up, she looked great with Harry, they came in as a couple, she gave this funny off-the-cuff speech, she was wonderful, and she just kind of was herself in the midst of whatever is going on. Uh, It was really a cool moment. This is her third time at the Endeavour Award, she's been by Harry's side for each one, and she's, as she said, part of that judging process. And I think they've really gotten to know a lot of the sort of familiar faces within that environment. Of course, it was hosted by J.J. Chalmers, who was a former Invictus Games medalist, now turned BBC correspondent, but a close friend of Harry. We know that when Harry was in The Hague for the launch of the Invictus Games last year, it was J.J. that he had spoken with about uh, Archie and becoming a dad and all the rest of it. And I think these are people that he trusts and likes to be around. And you can really tell that when Harry's sort of in his element in this kind of environment. And I think for them 
that's what the future's about. It's about picking places where they feel safe and where they can feel like they're being heard and, and respected. And maybe there hasn't been enough of that in recent years. And that's why they're so keen to have change. But I think, yeah, it was a great start to seeing them back. And of course, you know, they didn't waste any time. They were at the Goring Hotel earlier in the day for a lunch. And then this morning I was with Prince Harry at uh, the Silverstone Experience. Oh, this was so cool. Tell me about it. I was bummed I missed it. This was great. You know, this was Harry and Lewis Hamilton side by side for the opening of uh, an exhibit at the Silverstone Formula One racetrack here in the UK. It's a couple of hours away from London. And this exhibition brings together the sort of history of motorsport, but it's presented in a way that will inspire younger generation to be interested in the technology and the engineering that goes into it. And there's sort of like tech labs and all the rest of it. So Harry and Lewis met school kids. It was, uh, you know, it was was much more laid back than the Mm -hmm. night before, I think, you know, from your report (laughs) this morning, you know, it was all about the glamour and that big moment outside. This was sort of much more low key. Mm. Uh, You know, it was also a typical royal engagement. I think Harry himself, he made a little joke uh, in the middle of it. He said nothing more royal than having an engagement (laughs) where you're opening a venue that's already been open for six months because (laughs) this place has actually been open since uh, October. But, uh, you know, this was him sort of lending his name to it. He's always been interested in motorsport. I actually had a chat with a legendary Formula One race driver, Damon Hill, today. He first met Prince Harry in 1994 at Silverstone with Princess Diana (laughs) and then met him much later as a teenager, again in 2011 and again today. And the conversation I had with him, he was just so in awe of, like, who Harry has grown up to Mm. be, how much he cares about the younger generation and giving back to them because of course Harry spent so much time with the school kids today and I thought it was great to see people that have been in their lives excited for their next chapter you know he said he understands from knowing Lewis how hard it is to be someone in the public eye today and what they have to contend with and of course now Harry and Meghan are taking control of their situation building this new chapter and he was really excited for them what a cool moment. Yeah. Also, I just want to share that it's probably a really awesome moment for my dear friend Omid right here, because in case people who are listening don't know this, Omid is an avid car fan. I am. Well, the Formula One season. Yeah. yeah you know, I was told, I was told by the representatives there that I couldn't ask any of the race drivers about the current season they were like they don't want to talk about the current season but it was cool and it's also a great museum it's a it's a great exhibition even if you're not interested in motorsports I would recommend going and checking it out because the stories are so great Mm -hmm. that the things that they have there are just so cool beyond the cars there's memorabilia and it's cool yeah Yeah, I stayed for a couple of hours and I left with far too many things from the gift shop that's awesome Of course, this has also been a huge week for the Cambridges, just as they wrapped off that trip to Ireland, the Sussexes took over. But I want to take a look back at what they got up to. I wasn't out there. I actually had commitments over here. Uh, Maggie, thank you so much for joining me. And joining me now, I have Royal Producer ITV Lizzie Robinson, who has just completed the Royal Visit to Ireland with the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. They really packed in quite a few engagements, didn't they, Lizzie? They have, yes. Uh, just back from um, a three-day visit to uh, Ireland with Kate and William. And amazingly, it was their first time uh, the couple have made an official visit to Ireland. And uh, the sun was shining for our visit. It was really lovely over there. 
You got lucky. I mean, we have had, we've really been treated, I think, for some amazing pictures. William and Kate delivered the goods on this trip. But it was a real mixed itinerary that I think ticked all of the right boxes for such a short trip. Obviously, the, the visit came at the request of the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, but I think it did so much more for them as a couple, obviously with it being their first proper visit to Ireland together. Um, and of course, we did sort of get some real special moments on this trip. Yeah, I think the the point of the visit was to highlight the links between the UK and Ireland, uh, particularly post-Brexit. Uh, this is the first royal visit we've had to the EU since uh, the UK left the European Union. And, you know, Ireland are our closest neighbour. And so I think it was important for them to go and, and show that there is still a very close relationship between the UK and Ireland. And um, they uh, the programme was packed with uh, some of the kind of more official stuff where they met you know, the president. Uh, but there was also a lot where they got out in the communities, saw different projects and uh, got a chance to meet some of the people. They did uh, a walkabout uh, in Galway to the west of the country. Uh, so, yeah, it was a really varied programme. Mm, the, the first day was, as you said, quite formal. And in, in a way, it reminded me, it was almost a mirror image of the Sussex's visit to Ireland. We sort of had very similar engagements on those Thursdays. But then William and Kate really sort of diversified what they were focusing on on this trip. I think spending so much time with people, meeting people, there were several walkabouts. And as you say, uh, meeting a lot of the local communities and organisations. It was clearly planned to connect with the Irish people more than just it being sort of something borderline political. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, and you know, we saw we saw them having really get stuck in and having a go at some of the uh, traditional sports that are popular across Ireland. There were some really great pictures from. Uh, the third day of them them attempting some of those sports which was brilliant and yeah as you say they went to they did a walkabout outside a um, traditional Irish pub that uh, this family owned and uh, we of course saw them go to the uh, Guinness storehouse which I don't think any any trip to Ireland is complete without (laughs) but there was also a lot of sort of um, kind of memories of the Queen's visit historic visit back in 2011 they sort of followed in her footsteps a couple of times you know the, the quite poignant visit to the uh, the garden of remembrance on the uh, the first day which is a place that's um dedicated to to those that gave up their their lives for irish independence um that was a very sort of moving uh, ceremony that they went for and they laid a wreath and uh, they'd, they'd written a, a message on that wreath talking about how they hoped that uh, our countries could continue to build a bright future together uh, dis- despite kind of recent histories. Mm, this theme of sort of the two countries uh, having a, a better relationship and the importance of that relationship the UK and Ireland uh, was something that came up in William's speech at the Museum of Literature uh, I, I thought it was a really key moment for him on this trip and, and, and one that was very much needed for a royal visit like this. I just wanted to take a look back at what he said. I am confident that friendship, understanding and a shared vision for a peaceful and prosperous future will ensure that the unique and precious bond between our people is not broken. My family is determined to continue playing our part in protecting, preserving, 
and strengthening that bond. It was a very, I thought, significant uh, speech from, from William talking about uh, the past and um, the troubles that took place. And he talks about, you know, how profound he found being in the Garden of Remembrance on the first day. And then he also went on to look at the, the changing nature of the relationship between the EU and the UK and says said how it would require us to work together to ensure that that relationship between Ireland and the UK remains strong. And I think, you know, royals, that's probably as close as you're ever going to get to, to royals talking about uh, Brexit and the, the changing relationship mm, that, that mm. we have. I mean, this is a prime example of that soft politics that we often speak about. And I think people often question the relevancy of having a royal family in this day and age. But I think seeing William and Kate on a trip like this, building bridges and strengthening relations is exactly what senior members of the royal family are best at doing. And it is there is always an, a, a ripple effect that comes from trips like this. Yeah, definitely. And he he'd said, and again in this speech, how he said his family is determined to continue to part in protecting, preser- preserving, and strengthening the bond between the two countries. So he he placed a huge amount of importance on the relationship. I think that will have gone a long way, uh, and and meant a lot during the visit. Now, of course, uh, as we mentioned, the trip was mostly devised or would have been put together by the foreign office but there were things in there that reflected the couple's interest we had the visit to the mental health charity jigsaw on day two and i think it was great to see their own sort of areas of interest reflected in the itinerary on this trip yeah definitely that that second day uh definitely felt like they were sort of getting out into the community and seeing projects and uh initiatives that they a lot of their work focuses around so as you say we had the uh the visit to jigsaw which is a um a center for youth mental health in ireland and they went to a a residential facility run by a social justice charity and then they went to a farm which um, that was the bit of the visit that I was with them for they went to a a research farm to see how um, work being done to promote sustainable farming across Ireland so they uh, they were out uh, in the field and in the barns with the cows which made (laughs) for some very good pictures Um, I learned a fun cow fact apparently it's very rare for cows to have twins and oh, okay. Paddock with three three sets of twins in. So a trip go. worthwhile there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, there you are. <laughs> there were, but there and were I have these. To say, there were some spectacular pictures of them walking. Um, they did a cliff walk um, uh, where you could see views out to the Irish Sea, and because it was a really clear day, the pictures from that were really stunning. I thought. Yeah, I think we, I was just going to say, you know, we we had these sort of quite important moments on the trip, but there were lighter moments that were made for great visuals. And I think that's one thing that the Cambridges, or at least the people working around them, have become really sophisticated at, is making sure that everything lands visually, that there is sort of a key frame for prints or a, a moment on camera for TV, and the couple really seem to be making that a priority on on all of their trips and and engagements. Yeah, definitely. And um, you know, I think uh, the speeches they uh, they both landed 
really well the first you know the first speech was the sort of uh on the first night at the guinness storehouse was the sort of lighter one with the nice joke about you know william saying it's not often i follow my grandmother to the pub because obviously she the queen had visited in 2011 and then that second night was the sort of more serious speech with uh messaging around the relationship with Ireland and then you know that on on that third day there were some of those really great pictures for uh, TV and photographers um, of them out playing sports in the pub meeting the public which which made for for really good images I thought. I think it showed just how willing the couple were to sort of like get their hands dirty so to speak you know we often see royals you know you can show up and look glamorous and shake a few hands but I think that what locals want and what the press want is to really see them getting involved. Yeah they seemed um, to really enjoy it and um, they seem you know they looked really comfortable and happy uh, you know, meeting people, uh, seeing seeing the sights, giving the speeches, it all, they, they just looked really comfortable in their roles out there, I thought. You know, and I think that this visit came after a series of really important moments for Kate. We saw her really um, get deeply involved with her early years work. And we saw the podcast recently, and there's been the Five Big Questions survey. And a lot of moments in front of the camera. And I would say that it seems like Kate is more confident than ever in front of the press. Way more than when we sort of look back to some of those earlier trips. I remember sort of back to the Asia Pacific tour in, when was it, 2014 or so. And she was very shy uh, in front of the cameras. And I think now it's a complete opposite. Yeah, I think I think she has really found her role and she's doing work that really means a lot to her. And, you know, you, you just that podcast that you mentioned that she did with Giovanna Fletcher, you could tell how much and how knowledgeable she is on the early years work that she's been doing. And so, yeah, she, I think she does seem more comfortable. She seemed like she was really enjoying herself. You know, the, the pictures of them having fun with the with the children Um and you know, I think they were trying Gaelic football, and uh, they they looked like they were having an absolute hoot. And we also saw quite a few sort of, I guess, intimate moments between William and Kate in some of the pictures that Kensington Palace was sharing on Instagram, and from some of the footage that was coming from you guys. They seem a lot more comfortable together as a couple in front of the cameras too. We we got a little bit more PDA than we're usually <laughs> treated to. Yeah, I mean they they. They don't go over the top, do they? But there were a couple of really sweet moments, particularly on the um, cliff walk that they did. You you saw them uh, linking arms, sort of in the distance from the cameras. As they got a little bit closer, they unlinked arms. But um, and then there was a a shot um, up with up on the top of the cliff with the Irish Sea in the background, where they've got their arms around each other, laughing at the cameras. Um, so yeah, they do seem really comfortable sort of doing that now in front of the cameras in a way that you're right maybe they didn't in the past I mean the trip was a was you know it's safe to say it was a knockout success do we think that the Cambridges will be used for more EU UK relationship building over the year ahead would make sense it wouldn't surprise me if they uh, if they did sort of over this year and the coming years there there were more trips to uh, Europe post-Brexit to show you know the UK's relationship 
with European countries and the ties that we have. Exactly. Lizzie, I feel like we're going to see a lot of each other over the days ahead. We have the Sussexes <laughs> back in town for a slew of engagement. We do, we do, yes. So, Let's um, hope the weather stays how it did in Ireland. <laughs> That would be lovely. <laughs> it was nice to talk to you. Thank you again to Lizzie Robinson for joining the show. Always nice to have her here. Uh, that was me catching up with her just as she stepped back from her trip with the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge to Ireland. There's a lot more to talk about, so stay with me. Let's take a quick break. Well, although Harry and Meghan had a really public start to the week with the Endeavour Awards engagement together, a lot of the work that they've been doing has been taking place behind closed doors. Of course, we know they're tying up the loose ends of their final days as senior members of the working royal family. There are a lot of things that still need to be worked out. This is obviously a big logistical change uh, for the royal family and for the couple and of course, they want to sort of do that in the neatest way possible. But more importantly, Megan's had a chance to focus on some of her patronages. Uh, on Thursday, she visited the National Theatre, where she checked out their immersive storytelling studio. Uh, this was a visit that was arranged actually back in January and something that she had really wanted to check out. It was a chance for her to see what kind of technology that they're using to develop new forms of storytelling. And of course, this is all in her role as royal patron. She doesn't lose that patronage. She doesn't lose that patronage moving forward. In fact, she's still very much involved with the National Theatre. Uh, she had a photographer with her, Chris Allison, who's worked with the couple before. She was really keen for those photos to be shared, not just on the Sussex Royal account, but with one of the local papers in London, the Evening Standard. Uh, it was really just a, a sign to show how serious she was about working with the National Theatre moving forward. During the visit, she met with Nubia Brandon, an artist who uses a hologram of her own being or her own likeness uh, in an uh, exhibition called All Kinds of Limbo, which is currently on at the Tate Modern uh, and had been on in the past as well. It was during this visit that Megan got to meet with Nubia and, and really see how she cleverly uses holographics to, uh, in, the, in the words of the press release I'm reading here, take audiences on a musical journey to reflect the influence of West Indian and black culture on the UK music scene. Uh, this exhibition actually had rave reviews when it was on the first time around. And as we saw from pictures of Megan, she really enjoyed herself checking this out. Uh, interestingly, this visit tied in quite neatly with the couple's visit to Stanford University uh, a couple of weeks ago. You may remember me talking about that on the show. Uh, it was a, a chance whilst they were there, although they met with a lot of academics and lecturers to hear how they, they can sort of best use their platform to build their uh, non-profit organisation that they plan to launch. They also had a chance whilst they were there to check out a virtual reality presentation that allowed users to experience life through another person's point of view. And there was another link to virtual reality on Wednesday when Harry privately attended an Invictus Games Foundation and Royal Society evening reception, uh, which came after the two organisations had earlier in the day hosted a conference on the future of trauma recovery, particularly in the space of military servicemen and service women. And uh, Harry actually had a chance that evening to check out a virtual reality demonstration to see how uh, people who have missing limbs uh, may be able to use a VR uh, in, 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 an ability, in an ability to help with rehab and recovery. 
So I think it's really interesting to see how the couple are now sort of checking out new and emerging technologies to see new ways in which stories can be told. It will be really interesting to see if they use any of that uh, with any of their own projects coming up. Of course, we know that they have a lot on the horizon. But of course, before we get to March the 31st and the beginning of their new chapter, there are still engagements to complete here. On Saturday, Harry will be alongside Meghan at the Mountbatten Festival of Music in London, and that will be a rather poignant engagement for him. Of course, we've seen him there in the past with Meghan. They, they came last year. But this will be the last time that we see Harry in his uniform as Captain General of the Royal Marines. Uh, on Saturday, Harry will be joined by Meghan at the Mountbatten Festival of Music in London. We'd seen them together at this before last year, but this year's will be incredibly poignant because, of course, Harry will appear in his uniform as Captain General of the Royal, as Captain General of the Royal Marines for one final time. We did hear that when Harry agreed to step away from royal duties, he would also have to put all of his honorary military appointments on hold. And so, you know, I think that's why it was so important at the start of the week for him to sort of reinforce his commitment to working with his patronages and organisations such as the Endeavour Fund, which, you know, as we know, he helped found uh, with the Royal Foundation which, of course, he's no longer part of. And so I think bringing that together with the Invictus Games, which is very much his, is a really uh, good preview of what's to come when it comes to his work with military veterans. And, of course, that will be capped off by the final engagement that we see for the couple as members of the Working Royal Family at the Commonwealth Day service at Westminster Abbey. That will be very interesting. All eyes will be, of course, on them and other members of the royal family. They will appear alongside the Cambridges, Prince of Wales, the Duchess of Cornwall, the Queen. Uh, of course, everyone arrives in order of hierarchy, ranking within the royal family. It's a always a sight for royal watchers anyway but of course particularly interesting this year given how things are changing within the royal family and of course this wasn't just a busy week for the young members of the royal family we also saw duchess of cornwall very busy with engagements uh, just today she attended the grand opening session of the women of the world festival ahead of international women's day and she spoke about domestic abuse in the uk and around the world launching her first ever hashtag uh, hashtag everyone's problem uh, comes off the back of a campaign that she's launched with the refuge and safe lives charities uh, if you listen to the show regularly you'll remember that we spoke with safe lives about camilla's work uh, with women and men who experience or have experienced uh, domestic violence of course this is a long uh, long-term commitment for her she has pledged to really sort of do everything she can to help see an end to domestic violence in the uk and around the world and it was really great to hear her speak about how important this issue was to her at the event today saying that charity begins at home but so does domestic violence three quarters of violence against women happens in a place where a woman should feel safest, her own home. And just imagine, one in four women in this country will suffer domestic violence in their lifetime. One in four. I find it almost impossible to think that any friend of mine might be living under that horrific threat without my knowing it. But that is the power of coercive control, 
and violence in the home. It is characterized by silence. Silence from those who suffer, silence from those around them, and silence from those who perpetrate abuse. On this 10th anniversary as WOW's proud president, it's a huge pleasure to be here today. But I'm also here as a woman in my 70s who, as a somewhat ancient technophobe, is not always familiar with some of the jargon younger people use today. But I do know about hashtags. <laughs> and I'm now using my very first one. Hashtag everyone's problem. Domestic abuse is everyone's problem and the solution must be too. We also got to see a bit of a lighter side to Camilla this week uh, when she visited a London museum, uh, joking that she was self-isolating from the coronavirus. Uh, she was at the London Transport Museum uh, and entered an air raid shelter. This was an air raid shelter made for one person. And she looked over to one of the reporters there and said, I'm self-isolating. And uh, of course, uh, online, everyone thought it was quite funny. I think we've always seen Camilla sort of show this sort of uh, more humorous side of herself on engagement. She's certainly not one uh, to hold back from a quip here and there. And it's one, one of the things that makes her quite enjoyable to be on on royal engagements. Of course, speaking of coronavirus, we also saw the Queen taking important preventative steps to protect herself from the virus. Of course, this was headline news. On the day that it took place, uh, during an investiture at Buckingham Palace this week, she wore an unusually long pair of gloves. Now, we haven't really seen her wear gloves at investitures in many, many years. But of course, as she's some weeks away from her 94th birthday, uh, she would be uh, following every precaution that she can. I actually reached out to Buckingham Palace to see if there would be any guidance on this. Uh, they said that there was no comment, uh, but a source said that the Queen would be following any government advice on the coronavirus that is out there. Sensible words. And that just about wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for all the kind comments. Do leave a review if you haven't already. Uh, I do read them, but it also helps us out massively. And if you want to write into the show, use the hashtag TheAirPod. Uh, send it over to me on Twitter. I'm always looking out uh, to see what you guys have to say. And as always, a big thanks to the guys over in New York for making the show happen. Jonah Haskell, Anthony Alley, Layson Schneider and Mike Dubusky. Thank you, as always. And thanks again, listeners, for joining us. Uh, join us in a week's time. Fridays, as always, the AirPod for all the latest goings on in the House of Windsor. Until the next one, take care.